You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. I'm so excited to be talking with actress Brittany Bond today, an old friend from the University of Evansville. Brittany is a beautiful, sensitive performer, and since moving to New York after grad school, she has also found an incredible creative outlet in photography. I hope you enjoy the seventh episode of The Compass. So what, what do you do to keep yourself from going to the dark side as an artist? Mm, can I tell you? Well, it changes. And I think that, um, especially since I've moved to New York, it's, it's kind of become a routine. Because <laughs> um, when I moved here, things were really, I had a really hard year. Like I didn't, I graduated from... Uh, grad school and came out here thinking things were going to be like paved in gold. <laughs> yeah. Things were the opposite. Um, and like all of a sudden you're, instead of doing what you love, you're thrown into getting a job that you hate. And I was working three of the jobs I hate. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I realized that I, um, I needed to find a way to love the city that I hated living in. Um, mm. And that's why I started finding something every day that made me laugh or that I thought no one else had seen. And then hmm. that's why I started taking photos of those things because I didn't know what else to do <laughs> um, to record that because writing uh-huh. it down didn't seem natural and nor did maybe taking all like the funny antidotes that you have on the subway or with the city into making a play it didn't make sense so I started taking photos and that turned into a whole other thing so it ends up being something where I try to get out (laughs) if I am feeling especially uh, dark and twisty I'll want to get out into it like why if the city is like bringing me down I'll try to get out into it and see like if there's something Hmm. Like almost like wrestle it, <laughs> and, be, and but it, that's changed. It didn't used to be like I wanted to wrestle it. It used to be like, well, it's like sleep more, hibernate. Yeah, that sometimes works too. Um, but just looking up and being like, well, maybe I had to pay my rent this week, and that sucks, <laughs> and and I didn't get that audition or that you know, or I got rejected from this other thing or person so let me <laughs> go to the park or let me take a, a taking a walk actually is the cheapest way of getting out into it I will often walk not to the closest subway stop but to like a mile one away yeah to see like that's how I got lost in Hamilton Heights two days ago and it felt pretty good uh, <laughs> to like see and like I and then to see a part of the city I hadn't seen yet so in a way is like if I feel lost is to get more lost <laughs> in like some kind of physical way. Then it feels at least like you're doing something and you're going somewhere instead of just sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes New York is hard and there's a lot of people very close to you at all times. So I feel like sometimes the hibernating does come in handy. So it's a weird it's it's. it's even like making the dark and twisty part of a balance like like really listening being like what do I need do I need to spend more time alone because I haven't felt that way do I need to uh read do I need to uh learn a song on my ukulele (laughs) do I need to was that no one else will ever hear um or do I need to like go see an art exhibit do I need to go take a walk stimulus yeah and it's been like trying to like really listen to my body and what that means, because that almost speaks more than what my brain needs in the city. Is like, it, is my body tired from all this neon and all this rejection, <laughs> or to, is my body like craving that? Actually, that's this city is a very physical mm-hmm. experience. That's an interesting way to think mm-hmm. about it. And so I feel like. 
going and that's why like I create like I keep a, a draft in my emails about places I want to go eat or places I want to go or like things I want to see or like art exhibits I just keep a little so I have it with me at all times mm-hmm. um and that's like why I end up I end up doing a lot of that stuff on my own too so yeah with that so I feel like if I get the dark side is approaching I end up whether it's hibernating and growing out on my own, it is almost always being on my own, though, and figuring out what that answers. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that was super important to learn, was how to be alone <laughs> in a city of, you know, billions and billions of people. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about what the photography stuff has been for you as as a different way to express yourself as an artist? Um, it sort of ended up being that thing that multiple people were like, you're, you know, you take good photos, or I like, you know, they get some likes on the Facebook, or... Had you really not explored that before New I, York? I had taken classes in high school. I've used my dad's film camera since I was 16, but it was one of those things that I never thought of sharing until that weird monster social media appeared mm-hmm. and like it kind of enabled that and it wasn't until I don't know if you've had the thing where um somebody will tell you like I don't know if you had somebody who told you to do a podcast for a while and it wasn't <laughs> until like where random person number 87 told you that you're like no I'm hmm. gonna do it <laughs> but it was something like that where I was like posting photos on Facebook trying to deal with living here Like, I hadn't seen an autumn in a long time because I came from California. Um, And so I was posting a lot of photos of autumn because I thought it was really beautiful in the city. Um, And my friend came to visit. And he uh, was sleeping on our couch. He was a classmate from California. And he uh, was talking to me. He's like, you should really do something about it, like, really aggressively. And I was like, oh, maybe I will, but I don't know. I'm here to act. I don't know what that's about. And so he's like, the next day I was at work and he went around to a bunch of cafes in the area and asked, I don't know if I've told you the story, like (laughs) went around and like asked them, like showed him, like showed the cafe owners some photos that I had taken and was like, would you put this girl up in your, like, would you display her work? Yeah. Would you be interested? And they were all like, yeah, yeah. He got like a list, like a very small list. That's amazing. And I still have the note he wrote me. Oh, that's and that and that ended up being like the random person that got to me and said you should so after that like I got like a really good camera and started kind of dusted off my dad's old film camera and started doing stuff with that and that started generating because I was finally doing something on my own I wasn't waiting for right a call I wasn't waiting like the whole creating your own work thing like I never thought I thought that had to be acting. I thought that had to be a show. I thought it had to be. I didn't realize it could also be something that is in my control that is a different medium. And that's what's funny about living here is, like, I feel like depending on who I talk to, like, they don't – they consider me an actor. Some people do. But some other people consider me a photographer. And that is kind of – it's new and really exciting and then also really scary. (laughs) like really daunting because I'm like oh that's a whole other thing right but it's what's kept me it's what made me fall in love with New York was taking photos of it and then talking to people in it so ended up opening a whole new because one person got to me somehow that's such a beautiful story that he did that for you I know and he's like not on the social media at all so uh, it's like hard to like can't give him a shout out, I can't give him a shout out. he won't <laughs> that's hear really it that's really sweet that's thanks, really sweet thanks Phil Deeds oh my goodness um so do you see like a direct link between like storytelling between acting and photography or do you feel like it's completely different like you see it more as like just vi- like visual art and oh no it's totally connected which is funny because I feel like it's those little things that you find out, like you look back and you're like, well, every character I had ever worked on, I had always found like an image for them. Right. I had always pulled, so I had always been attracted to that. That was something you were already looking for. I was already looking for that moment and I had already owned, 
I had always been interested in photography. I'd never considered myself a photographer and I'd always been interested in visual art, but never considered myself a visual artist. So, but I think that storytelling, especially the way that I, I attack acting is the way that I've come to, I've come to realize that that's how I also attack photography is I'm the nuance, like the very small, like I'm interested in taking photos of like something that's almost like behind a door or like, right. or like, like the little, um, the little details, the little details. And those were the things like small physical behavior and acting is what I was attracted to. So that's, what's really, when you can start seeing stuff like that connect helps influence the other. Right. That your brain as an artist is still working mm-hmm. the same way, even if it's a completely different medium. And it's satisfying in the same way. Um, the first time I had a photo show, I thought it was really weird because I, there wasn't a thing I was going to do and the people were going to clap. Right. <laughs> um, so it was a whole... So you weren't there, performing. Yeah, I wasn't. I had already performed and yeah. no one was there. Right. And it wasn't until I printed it and put it on a wall that someone was like, oh... But it was a whole new, and then huh. I had to stand there while everybody looked at it. And that was a whole that new thing. strange. So that's different. That's completely different is the way that you bring it into the world. Like, I have photos up in a restaurant right now. Like, right now, people are eating in front of it. But, like, I'm <laughs> not there. <laughs> yeah. So I have, so, so it's cool because in a way, like, even when I think, like, I just paid my rent and I know my bank account's going to be gone tomorrow. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um. I know there's a small part of me that's somewhere else that people are eating in front of and maybe talking about or not, but it's there. Like, so it's a little like, um, divided when I feel like you, when you act on stage, like it's all of you all at once. And like, here I am. And this is, I'm going to give you this thing and you're going to react to it. Like something I'm doing is getting reacted to and I'm not there Mm -hmm. to witness it. It's, it's a whole, that's completely different, but the, idea of storytelling to me what I'm attracted to in each of them is is really similar and I'm not terribly sure I've really like I've connected them but until you asked me that I don't think I'd really like been like they're not just connected like they're fused together like Like, articulated that yeah similarity that they're really close together yeah it's interesting that's really cool Mm -hmm. but I know like you've even with photography as this other outlet you've kind of explored it in two different ways or I'm, I'm sure they're extremely similar, but in my mind, two different ways of you have these artistic oh, mm-hmm. photos that you've, which tell me the title of the project again, the main um, one. The, the biggest one was called the wilderness, project. the wilderness yeah. project. I was forgetting the name. Um, but then also like you've been making some income from like shooting headshots mm-hmm. and shooting weddings mm-hmm. and, doing that kind of photography has that been different for you or not really you think it's you think of it as one thing uh they're different but that's (laughs) when I um describe when I'm talking to a new client and I describe my work the way uh the way that I describe work I'm like I'm really attracted to details so if I shoot your wedding I'm going to probably take a lot of pictures of the buttons on your dress and like the, <laughs> like I have a lot of beautiful <laughs> pictures of my bouquet next to paint brushes. Yeah. Like because those are the things that are like, not going to be there the yeah. next day. Like I can pose a lot of people and you know, but to me it's more like catching the small moments, but I guess, uh, income based photography it's like I guess it's a commercial I don't know it's because I didn't know what to do with it yet like I was like well I'm taking these photos and I'm I'm putting them on Facebook and I'm Instagram was new and there was that and then did like a coffee shop show like a little with my photos in the wall but I was like is there other things I can do and then the friend was like well I need headshots (laughs) can you take my headshots and I was like yeah and I took a couple classes on portrait stuff. Oh, okay. And like portrait composition to like really nail that. And so started doing that. And then like my friend's band would be like, hey, can you take? And so it just ended up being word of mouth. And my approach never changed. Thankfully, I think because I, as maybe my strength isn't necessarily technical, even though like I do have like a technical background somewhat. 
it is all linked to like what am I just interested in humanity and it's and it's like but headshots like I've taken headshots from myself like I know what it's like it's terrible so like (laughs) I try to make it not terrible I was gonna say being on the other side of it must be such an odd experience as an actor it's odd but it I feel like it makes it really easy because I know I know when I've got it for them like I know when I hit the shot and I know um I can direct them you know like how an they're actor. feeling like I, and, and I know they probably feel really shitty yeah about, because I don't know anyone who goes into <laughs> headshots being microscope. like I feel great <laughs> um and well maybe they do but like it's I think I don't know like I it's so I can put people at ease too yeah and that but I didn't I never really thought of myself as that so like as a like as like a leader or anything like that but then again headshots and stuff that's so one-on-one too which I think mm-hmm. is kind of beautiful yeah it's an odd intimate little relationship you're having with people for those couple of hours because you're literally staring yeah. into their eyes <laughs> for like a couple hours so like a lot of just like um just basically human emotion gets transferred and I think that's what makes it it satisfies that need that when you're on stage and you're looking at someone and you're like in it and you're like really listening and relating to a person being a photographer and having a client or just a subject that's alive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not a landscape can also like fulfill that like human connection that I feel like if you're an artist at all like you crave yeah which can be really hard to keep active I think sometimes and one that, like, I never thought, I never thought that would, if I, and sometimes I hate that I moved here because I can, like, see the sliding doors of my life. Right. But then I'm so thankful because then I'm like, well, this whole, I, like, forced a door open or that probably maybe never would have been opened into this world, like, taking photos and just really loving doing it and it being for myself, but also at the same time, like, you're taking photos of somebody's wedding. You're taking photos of their baby. You're taking photos of them pregnant or, yeah. you know, their headshots. Like, it's a super intimate, special time that you get to be with these people, and it's ephemeral. Like, it doesn't stay there either, so. When I love, like, writing your own work, it's just, it's a very physical Thing that you can do to mm-hmm. take action when mm-hmm. you don't when you're not in a play when someone else isn't giving you a job like it's a very concrete you can take your camera mm-hmm. and take an image which that you can then look at or print out and hold in your hand and mm-hmm. be like okay I did I, this I did this thing yeah and that's what you nobody told me I could do this mm-hmm. I did this and I didn't have to wait for anybody to tell me to do it like yeah um I think that was the biggest thing is like I got told in grad school, and this was like, a slightly famous person said this, and I kind of don't remember who said it, but it was like one of those master classes you have. (laughs) Like an alum of the school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, don't wait to be told. And I don't know why that like hit me and like echoed off my bones. Because I remember thinking, like, I'll probably never be the person to start a theater company. I'll probably never create an app or be in a startup tech company or anything, but I will probably be the person that will join the cause and like be there for that moment. So hearing like don't don't wait to to do something until someone's like, well you have to pay your bill or you have to um even make this choice on stage. Like this this moment of of noticing like the moment you really have to act on it, even if you're an introvert or even if um because once you wait till you're really really depressed and I've been there is like it's it's really hard to claim out of yeah so it was so funny that and I kind of feel bad I don't remember who told me that because it's something that's like always I can like kind of like hear it like sensate somehow (laughs) like this little motto that comes back where like when it gets dark like don't don't sit there and wait for someone to call you right I love that took me a long time to figure out what that meant, though. Like, it doesn't... Well, and, and who even knows what context they said it in. But the yeah, fact that it definitely applies <laughs> to... Definitely applies. When you're feeling like you're heading into the mm-hmm. dark side to do something sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Or at least knowing when it's 
when when you can tell it's going to be too late in a second and you're just going to get depressed and watch an entire season of Mad Men again like (laughs) (laughs) which I've done so Um, but that was something that stuck with me in a moment that I didn't know I was paying attention are you can you talk a little bit about the wilderness project and are you still is that something you're still pursuing or has it kind of been put to the wayside um I feel like it was a chapter that sort of closed and and was closed um well (laughs) so it started with uh so if I thought the first year was bad my like third year in New York was like a I lost a couple jobs and had trouble getting new ones or was unhappy in one thing or the other and and just didn't know what to do with the city. Right. <laughs> and I was nannying and, and ended up going to the force to go to the Natural History Museum. And I'd never <laughs> been I had never been there and it, it's kinda weird and creepy if you if you've it's never bizarre. been there. It's a bizarre it's place. Very particular. It's very particular. Um all of the dioramas if you take a photo of, which I did because the elk was really cool to me, um, I took a photo of the elk, and as weird as it looks and unreal as it looks when you're standing there in the 3D way of looking through glass and you can tell the backdrop's right. painted and maybe one looks a little, like, mangy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you take a photo, it flattens it, mm-hmm. and it if you get close enough so where you don't get reflection on the glass, like, it looks real. And that, I was like, what? That is amazing. And think of all of those in the same building. All of those. Thank you, Teddy Roosevelt. Like, they're all, <laughs> yeah. And, like, so you can go through North America. You can go through the jungle in, like, one floor. Yeah. And I just remember the kid I was with was kind of having this, he was uh, 11. And he, he wanted to go for some, he kind of, he was having, like, a weird adult moment. <laughs> where he he kind of he arrived and we were we were walking through the museum and he goes you know what these don't look the same as they did when I was a kid <laughs> and I remember like feeling really bad for him and then I was getting excited because of how real they looked but also they're in such aggressive poses all of them and there was something that started connecting um between something he had said about living in the city and how seeing them changed because now he was 11 and he wasn't six anymore so the magic had gone away Hmm. there was something in all of that that started I just started thinking about it like what if I often feel really feral in the city like I don't have a home especially working three jobs at a time there were moments where I I wouldn't go home for 12 hours so like where was my home in the city like if I need to use the restroom where am I going Mm -hmm. if I need to kill this time where am I so I just felt really nomadic and weird and it was winter (laughs) and it was terrible and so I just something finally connected where I thought like what if these animals in this natural history museum lived in this city like if I was this elk where would I be in the Mm -hmm. city um and so I started playing around with double exposures. Of I, I went back to the museum and took just stock photographs of all of the animals and then looked through them when I got home and was like, um, what does this remind me of? Like, what is this, like, tableau of these animals reminding me of? Oh, the, the, these elk look just like they're just sitting in the city. Or these deer look like they're, look like they're waiting for the subway. And so I, started, so I started with those landscapes. And then I was thinking often, like, how you've – ask people for the compass like I was like who do I know in the city who's like just kind of struggling like having Mm. like living here but like really struggling and so I started asking them like if you were an animal sorry it sounded like (laughs) a grad school exercise a little bit like if you were an animal who would you be in the city and that started an interesting conversation and that started like a portrait section um and then I found this poem called the wilderness by Carl Sandburg that talks about like there's a wolf in me who has these not like these um these claws for gnawing and gashing and it talks about all these different animals and how it feels to feel that way as a person mm-hmm. and at the end um he says something 
I'm getting it wrong probably, but like, um, I, I, I have these animals in me and I, I take them and I give them back Hmm. and, but they're always with me. And there was something in that that just like blew it up. Hmm. So I ended up putting them all together and it ended up being such a sad, like I look, and every time I look at those photos, I'm like, that's how I felt about the city. And that's how I feel living in the city half the time. So, but it's, it's had a couple versions and it, I feel like now that I've lived here for this long, I feel like I can't. Um, but every once in a while, I'll like still see it in my head. Like I'll see a new one or something. But that period is kind mm-hmm. of closed. It's closed now, yeah. I love it. Well, maybe you can let me post some yeah. photos or some links from that because I'd love for people to see it. I find them so beautiful, especially as someone who's not from New York mm-hmm. and who's from a more wilderness kind of place. Mm-hmm. I loved when you pursued that idea and it just made me kind of feel at home because that's it's like combining two worlds together which is kind of how I always feel I felt like an outsider and I I don't I've lived here for six years and still feel like a not a New Yorker um (laughs) you've lived in such very different places oh yeah I guess that's true and I don't know why like with you in particular I I think of those places so distinctly when I think of you and because you grew up in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. we went to college in Indiana but then you went to grad school in San Francisco which I know you loved Mm -hmm and really associated with, and then moved to New York. And they're all such distinct places. Do you ever think about, I don't know, are you really attached to New York now? Do you think about living as an artist in another city? All the, I mean, every Tuesday I feel like leaving. It's, 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 it's hard. I, I think I moved here at the right time. I wouldn't have done it. Otherwise, I li- I moved here without a job, without an apartment, without which is kind of like uh, not really like a, a dream in a suitcase, but like a version of that in some weird way, because it wasn't that romantic at all. But <laughs> but I think I mean I I often look at like I was set up pretty well in San Francisco and decided to come out here without like terribly really thinking it through there's a blessing in that of like being like, well, I didn't think it through and I came here and I did this thing. I don't think I'll be here forever, but I say that every year and then I renew my lease right. every year. So I know, no, I but know. I definitely feel like I would, I definitely feel like I can live somewhere else and, and get, because it uh, always where I live inspires me so much that after a while in New York is starting to feel a little not dried up because there's like infinite things going on all the time. Especially when I just, I think that I'm like, eh, goodbye to all that. Something will happen. I'm like, oh, no, I'll stay. This couldn't happen anywhere else. This couldn't yeah. happen anywhere else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do like living here has taught me like I do crave like to go hiking. I do actually miss having access to nature. And that was something that, I've picked up in the last couple of years is like you have to get out of town mm-hmm. and so I feel like traveling is a big thing of not staying in the same place and feeling bogged down by it um I would move back to San Francisco in a heartbeat I think it's hard to live so far away from my family that's something that's come up lately is that it feels pretty far away yeah. but I if you had asked me when I was 12 if I would live in those four different cities I would have laughed at you <laughs> I never would have <laughs> thought like, that was the connection yeah that doesn't make four Indiana yeah Who goes there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it meant uh, each one like informs so much of who I am now that I'm really happy that I made all those like crazy decisions be like well I'm gonna go to school in Indiana and now I'm gonna live in California and <laughs> to New York like I think about that a lot because the country is so huge and there's so many Mm -hmm. parts that I haven't been to and as actors we kind of feel like we have to live in a few very select places yeah when I'm like there's probably 10 different towns I've never heard of that would be perfect for me that I would love living in Mm -hmm. but I don't even let myself think about it because I think that my options are between like New York LA maybe Chicago or possibly San Francisco if you're Mm -hmm. one of the few local actors who work all the time Mm -hmm. it was one of those things that I'm 
I'm actually, I'm really indecisive most of the time. So, <laughs> but there's always, there always ends up being like getting into school in San Francisco. I never thought of living there. And yet I moved there and thought it was such a perfect fit that I was like, well, something, something led me here. And Indiana mm-hmm. was such a change of scenery from what I grew up in that it was so helpful, like just expanding horizons and because Vegas is a, <laughs> Vegas is like a small town essentially. Like it yeah. is as crazy as it seems that no one lives there. Like it's a small little western town. So to move somewhere to the Midwest was a whole kind of opened up a door in that regard too. I don't think you necessarily have to live in New York. I think about it all the time about like what if I just moved upstate or what if I moved back to California or I I now feel New York has gifted me like a little more of the confidence of doing something on your own or finding something that kind of here's this big city with all these options and here's this, you know, this kind of gift in a way or like I was able to, to find like the inspiration in it. And I feel like no matter where I go, I could, I could find that now, like now that I can recognize it. Right. And that New York is just so hard to live in. Like, it kind of makes you feel, oh, I could I could figure out anywhere now that I've figured out this. Yeah. I figured out the subway and <laughs> and the winters. How to deal with all of the, mm-hmm. the roadblocks that mm-hmm. throws at you. Mm-hmm. Just saying, talking about being so far from your family, mm-hmm. how do they understand your life as an artist? Uh, Are any of them kind of in the creative side? I always thought side? of my family as being like secret artists because like my uh no one has like a very uh like highly creative job in my family like as their career but my family has always been like really crafty like my dad works with his hands like he's a um operating engineer and my mom was like a mom but like the crafty mom (laughs) the Halloween costume mom and um my sister was always like giving she's older than me and a lot I mean eight years older than me and like giving me books to, like Shakespeare to read and and um she takes photos and is a journalist and teaches a mm. dance troupe so there was like uh but it's it's nothing that we were ever um we were always uh like that was cultivated in my family but it was never um anything at least and and nowhere else in my family where they're artists but I feel like like my grandmother was an amazing baker. Like there, there was always like these skills that that required, hmm. like intuition and creativity in it. And no one had tried it as a career. So, so oddly though, you would think that they would look at me and be like, "Can't you be a lawyer?" <laughs> um, we don't have one of those. We probably <laughs> need one. <laughs> but no, like I, I went to like a magnet school, like a creative magnet school in high school, and my mom was like cool try that I don't know if they thought that that was gonna go for this long um (laughs) I don't know if they were just like she'll decide to be a teacher eventually it'll Mm -hmm. be fine but but they're they're supportive I I think because they they really love doing creative things so to see uh both daughters like try to like pursue something more creative they, they were never like you need to have a better job or like they're not like please settle down and have the babies they're not like that <laughs> which I'm so thankful for uh they get very confused by m- me living in New York they don't understand they're very west coast and the very city. southwestern yeah they they've my sisters only come to visit my my parents haven't visited ever um they don't really understand that part of it and they don't under um my mom very lovingly said well can I can I buy you an agent my family's not, <laughs> not and I was like that and I was like I don't right mom we don't have that much money I don't know if you can it buy doesn't me work anything. that way it doesn't yeah. work that way even I mean you I know, hope it's, it doesn't I mean, it's a anyway. complicated system it's such a complicated system and it is extremely hard to explain and that's the part where like uh when I'm fighting that system and I it's hard for me to talk to my family because they were like, well, why are you sad? Or like, why are you so depressed or anxious? And I try to explain that part of it. And that's the part where like, if you aren't here with me, right. 
kind of also in the same fight. It doesn't, it doesn't um, translate. And that creates kind of a, we're, a, you know, we're across the country from each other, but that creates a whole other barrier in between that gets really, and then the last year, like I've kind of felt the weight of like, maybe I should shorten one of those <laughs> um, to make it easier. But they're incredibly supportive. And the photo stuff's been a lot easier to translate because I can send them that. Right. Like I can send them a physical thing. A physical thing, yeah. Which I can, benefits me and also benefits my family where they can actually see the thing instead of missing the show that I'm in here. Right. Like I can send them this photo exhibit or this photo book I was in or I designed or whatever. They can see it. And And that has helped. Good. Also, like, that's a different language we've learned to speak. <laughs> but it's like teaching your family a language. It's like teaching, yeah. like, even though they understand it uh, intuitively, there's a bit of, like, the day-to-day that is actually what gets me down the most. They don't. Right. But. Can you talk a little bit about your day job or your current yeah. situation with day job? Uh, yeah. Um. So I started temping at a play publishing company and <laughs> and I uh, I had I was an usher on Broadway for a while. Mm. I was a nanny for a while. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just knew that I wasn't of the the restaurant waitressing ilk, um, even though that I could probably make my rent in one day if I like really worked at a good restaurant. I just knew that wasn't me. So I fought for a long time to find a desk job that um, worked for me. And so I started temping at this play publishing company just because it was what was on Playbill. Um, It worked out. And so I started archiving their contracts, which is really a crazy job if you're like a theater nerd at all because you're like looking at Tennessee Williams misspelling his name on a contract <laughs> and that's really in, um, like a little anthropologist yeah that's what it felt like and like scanning them very gently and I mean it was also super tedious and not terribly rewarding even though I was in a creative place but then I started talking to them more and then um, had loyalty in a way that finally once some administration things changed they were able to finally bring me on and they found out that I was also a photographer so I ended up becoming a design assistant Mm. and now I design the ads and they taught me how to code so (laughs) now I make um the e-plays um but then I mean it's just such an atmosphere to be in where like you get to read new plays and you get to read like I was I was retypesetting the crucible yesterday (laughs) And I found a typo, and I was like, this is the weirdest. Oh, my goodness. There's, like, a typo in this, like, American classic that I'm retypesetting, and once this gets, like, proofed, it gets printed, like, that I, you know, and there's there's right. a joy. There's, like, a secret joy in that, and I feel like hmm. whatever day job you have in the city, like, it needs to have, like, that little secret moment, whether it's, like, scanning Tennessee Williams' contract or, like, even if... Like if you're in a restaurant, like and you, you know, you just really love talking to people and getting good stories from customers. Like, like you have to have that moment in your day job as an artist, or you, you will hate everything. <laughs> um, and the dark side will be in, like inevitable. So it's like finding. So I just feel really lucky that I that I fought for so long to find a day job. And just was kind of tireless and like, no, I, I know it's out there. I know I can find it. Are they flexible with you if you do have something that you need to um, run yeah. out run out to do? I, or? To, I mean, I, yes and no. Like, it is a, a nine-to-five-ish job. and mm-hmm. um, But they, because of that, there's insurance and there's, you know, right. the vacation days and stuff. And so as long as – so, like, really spontaneous things, no. But that hasn't really been the case anyway. So mm-hmm. – like I shot a commercial last year and they were able to get, like I knew the week ahead of time and they're mostly all creative types too. Um, 
so there is a little bit of an understanding of like, oh, you're taking a sick day. Just don't take advantage. Yeah, don't yeah. take advantage of it. Um, and yes, this is like a corporate setting, so <laughs> there are like <laughs> rules to follow. But at the same time, like, it's it, it's also like incredible just to go to work and like have discussions about Pinter or <laughs> like, mm. you know, uh, pl- different plays you saw and like, yeah. should we take on that playwright? and publish their stuff so it just if it actually feels really proactive and like I'm maybe I'm not in acting in it but I I've been able to you know I get to read new plays and also like see the plays that we could publish and like bring into the world so that's been really the access there and just having that environment to be in every day is so calming in a in a time where like when I the first four years I lived here was so anxious Right. So it's just been nice to have that. I'm really thankful for that job, actually. <laughs> and having that stability is so comforting. And it allows me then to say, now that I have that, can I, you know, here's this, you know, can I branch out? Now that I have this, you know, within the means of the job and the time I'm allowed to have off and not like, you know, and it's also taught me a lot of things that job has so like I'm able to you know branch off and because I do have that stability to do other things now too but it's also like you rehearse at night and then you go to work at nine in the morning or whatever so like right so it's it's a lot but then also like oh god I I was looking through a journal from high school (laughs) yes it said what's uh so god it was from like 2001 and it said something like um List your perfect day. And 17-year-old Brittany <laughs> said why I was living in New York, so I had that down. But like, okay. there was other things that were like, you know, wake up and go to yoga. And, and then, you know, you work for a couple hours and then you go to rehearsal. And then, and then you eat dinner with your friends. And, and I read it thinking, oh, that doesn't happen. Like, oh, that's... Hmm. that's dreamy that's romantic 17 year old Brittany but then like not like a week later I like had that day (laughs) and I was like you know what (laughs) I need to like give a high five to my past self and be like maybe it's not all like as rosy as or like like golden filtered as I thought it would be or as easy as As easy on the page yeah maybe the dinner wasn't like a french bistro but it was like you know a bagel with a friend but like still like i i it was it was after finding that that i was like you know what 17 year old britney is really proud of of like almost 30 britney at the time like good job and like you like you are meeting goals even if they're not that you've had for a long time yeah and like they're still really satisfying (laughs) so Oh, I'm so glad you found that. I should let you read it. It's really funny. It's really funny. I haven't looked at them, but I have right here under this bed. I have, um, since my dad sold the house I grew up in, Mm -hmm. I had to bring a bunch of my childhood Mm -hmm. stuff here. And I have a whole big Tupperware filled with like middle school and high school journals. But I just have a feeling like someday I'm going to want to see you should read them out loud. Well, either if I make something from them or not, just knowing that I have them makes me really happy. Y- yeah, <laughs> it, it should. And reading that was really scary because I, I didn't remember what I had written. And that's kind of the best part. Right. Because I feel like we forget so much of mm-hmm. what we were feeling or what we were thinking. And what we intended in some way. Yeah. Because that changes and like gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you like look at the the root of it from you know almost 15 years ago like Mm -hmm. you realize that oh no I did do it I just maybe lost sight of it in a little bit or it's in a different form than I or it's in a different a slightly different form yeah yeah um but I I super suggest reading it out loud though even if it's just to yourself (laughs) that's an entire because it's so weird to hear like your past self yeah read in your present voice have you listened to mortified the podcast that's um it's all people reading from their like childhood <laughs> journals and diaries <laughs> at kind of like a moth style story 
I would slam really like in front that. of an audience. I would probably want to be on that. You should look it up. I'll look that up. Um, well, a lot of the stuff we've talked about is like these pursuits you found are very individual. Mm-hmm. Have you found um, many communities here in the city that have helped you have an outlet, or is it uh, that not really like, been a part of? Do you mean like other photographers or other other or groups of actors? Oh, theater companies mm-hmm. or yeah I think or is it more of just getting together with your friends and having like that social outlet mm, no I think it's to me it's been maybe some of these theater companies have gone defunct but I feel like everybody's trying to answer the same question when they come here is like what what now mm-hmm. and how <laughs> um so I feel like there's been a couple like iterations of friends coming together and I've I've loved to be a part of like you know, like finding a passion project, like a couple of years ago, a group of my friends and I like really wanted to do a checkoff show. And so we found, like bonded together and did that. And, and then I feel like I can, I can bring like other things to it. Like I can photograph your, <laughs> I can be in your show and then maybe also photograph it. I've done that where I was in the show. I was, I was also taking photos of <laughs> So I was like taking photos and all costume. the scenes that you're not yeah, in. Yeah, and then I had someone else, like I set up the camera, I had someone else take the photo for the ones I was in. Double billing. Double billing. But um mm-hmm. I think that's been really important is like if I'm asking the question there must and you're doing it with this, like if I'm asking the question, other people are asking the question and trying to figure it out. So it was trying to find people that were like minded in that pursuit. That's really helped like find people that we can create work together based on that. Um, are there, speaking of concrete things, are there any um, things that you turn to every, when you feel yourself going to the dark side to like t- be the first step to try to take you out, like books or mm. I know you love music. or love music. Um, I've talked a lot about the city, like particular places you like to go that it's kind of just immediately lift you up. Definitely. Um, listening to music is a big thing. I started like a very tiny music blog with a friend because we, we just kept having conversations about it that we were like, let's just put it on a, a Tumblr. So Mm -hmm. like we're still having the conversation, but we're putting it out in the world. Like who knows? Um, but gosh, like seeing live music, there's something that's so similar and yet, cause it's a performance and yet it's so different that it, it enacts that like super special like inspiration like button Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it turns that on dance too is something that in the city that I've really I started going to the ballet last last year really yeah I didn't know I didn't realize you could find really cheap tickets like cheaper than like Broadway tickets at like New York City ballet Hmm. and that's something because um I guess I am like really attracted to like the physical um embodiment of that like lost feeling and I feel like dance is especially like ballet and then they do a lot of programs with modern dance incorporated too um that that really that really gets the catharsis going yeah me too. more so than seeing a play sometimes is seeing like a musician do like a saxophone solo I saw a saxophone solo last night that I was like that blows my mind I can't do that and I will never be able to do that but that is incredible Mm. And, like, awe-inspiring. And I think dance does the same thing to me. So I kind of try to seek – it's funny that I end up seeking not theater No, I feel out, the same but, way, though. Yeah. I think sometimes, since it is different, it can kind of lift you out in a different way. Because it, 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 like, hits it at a different angle. Yeah, and, you, and you're not thinking about it in terms of, like, you as an actor. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, I could play that role. Right, or overanalyzing mm-hmm. it because that's where all your training is. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, you can just experience yeah. it. Um, yeah, I saw Tree of Codes, which is no longer in the city, <laughs> um, but it was this... Oh, I didn't hear about that. Oh, my goodness. It was at Park Avenue Armory, so in this giant building, and it was um, Way McGregor's ballet company and also the Paris Ballet together hmm. interpreting a Jonathan Safran Foer novel who I love. Okay. I've never <laughs> um, read his stuff. With, and the set design was by um, 
an installation artist that I've had a, a crush on for the longest time, like How an cool. art crush. And the music was by um, Jamie XX, who's in a band called The XX. And it was like all the things I love in one thing, which ultimately sounds like it could be really disappointing. It was one of the most, <laughs> it was one of the most beautiful things I think I've seen. Like it was just oh, this wow. um, incredible, the whole uh, Fowers book is this um, erasure of another novel. Hmm. So he's cut out words to make a different story and so it ends up being like this sculptural like book like this thing oh my goodness that is really hard to read but like has this very like very physical presence which if you read a book that's not really unless it's like a franzen book it's huge but like (laughs) you flip through and so they were there was all these cutouts and all these like beautiful colors happening and it oh it just was like incredible and the narrative was not at all linear it was completely abstract but it was the the physicality and the emotion with like this incredible like art installation happening and then like a marina Abramovic was there <laughs> and laurie anderson was there because it was their gala night and i didn't know i had bought tickets for that night <laughs> so i like almost had a heart attack that sounds I was like a perfect so, storm it was a perfect storm and i went by myself which was also like i love going to museums by myself too mm-hmm. i know you do too, me too yeah. yeah it's Be- actually hard for me to go with another person Mm-hmm. I find that, too. Have you been to the new Whitney? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. That's got some good, like, juju. I that try space to is so incredible. Um, We have a membership to MoMA right now that I got. I got Frankie and I for our first year wedding anniversary, and it, they have members hours. Oh, so they'll morning. open like an hour early certain exhibits for mm. members and so I've only done it once so far but I just went and it was just one exhibit was open which I didn't realize but of course it makes most sense because they can't have staff all over the entire museum mm. just to have 20 people wander around but that's often that would make but it was great because I spent yeah. an entire hour slowly going through this exhibit with barely anyone else there, it was perfect. <laughs> mm. And then I, w- I tried to go upstairs, like, right when the museum opened to see the Yoko Ono show. And, it, like, it was already, like, buses of schools coming in. I was, like, it was already way too crowded. So I, I left very quickly. That's why I, I have gone to their, like, free night on mm. Fridays. It's so crowded. It's so crowded. <laughs> get them for free. I should. I know. Well, you should. We should go together because I can get you one for free. Yeah. But at any other, like... I know you're a huge music nut. Is there like an album you listen to? Oh, when um. you... <laughs> it's like your saving grace. Gosh, yeah. It, or is there, it always changing? It's you're, always changing. You're a music buff because I the desk job really helps this. Yeah. Um, affinity for music kind of almost go like I I had a friend ask me once they're like how much music do you listen to a day and I was like. Oh, that's like eight hours. Eight solid hours. That's like eight <laughs> solid hours of me listening to. It's kind um, of amazing. You know what's strange is if if I'm not to pick an album, there is a <laughs> a California radio station called KCRW that is based okay. in Santa Monica, and he. <laughs> well, shout out to Jason Bentley because he gets me through my day. He there is, a th- it's called Morning Becomes Eclectic, and he just has this, and he's like a. He just has this like incredible intuitive like DJing sense that I find a bunch of new music on that and that will lead to like an album of the month for me and hmm. Spotify's really great. Um but, <laughs> but that's something that I think I lean on all the time is that like three hours hmm. of just like curated eclectic music that, that goes like all the way across to like indie bands and to like 80s stuff or like he'll connect two things and it's just like it's that little tiny very cool connection that I really and then it's you know it always sounds sunny and I know a lot about the traffic in LA because they talk about it it's just like a really weird thing to like know a lot about oh, I love you picturing you in the winter listening to that every yeah morning. it actually helps thinking about California yeah. mm-hmm. huh. they just yeah it's always sunny and the, the airphones um, listen to a lot of podcasts too. That's helpful. Radio Lab's a good one for me. 
Are there any other things that you've seen recently that you want to recommend? Friends shows or plays or whatever? We were just talking about BAM. And I said earlier, off record, <laughs> that I've seen more things at BAM than I've seen on Broadway. And But, but what I didn't say is that there's never been one thing at BAM that I've like fallen in love with. But every time I see something there, I am it, it just is so provocative that it yeah. that it and it's so different and and yet this incredible like passion into the way that they plan a season and the diversity that they plan it's is incredible. Amazing. And you can it's get amazing. really cheap tickets that I even if you live in Queens, get the twenty dollar ticket. Just like pick Look at their beautiful website and, like, pick something. Like, I picked a – I love Pina Bausch, but I had never seen one. And I went last year not knowing what the piece was, just being like, oh, they're having Pina Bausch and I should go. And it's one of the best things I think I've ever seen was at BAM because – and I had no idea. It's almost mm. like – I feel like if I recommended Hamilton or I recommended, like, <laughs> Spring Awakening or something – um, Everybody's talking about, but there's something about like not knowing what you're gonna see, and just kind of being like, surprised. Yeah, that like really can never be disappointing because <laughs> you have no idea what it was. Right, but it's at a a venue that you trust the that I trust who are and what curating yeah. it. And... Yeah, and they're really accessible. Yeah, because um, even their film series is really incredible sometimes too. Like they'll just. They will send you a lot of emails if you sign up, but you should sign up because they're always really well designed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just they small make, joys. Yeah, they small just they make beautifully. Inbox. Yeah, exactly, and they just make beautiful options. Yeah, I think so. That's something I, I just feel like if you've never been to Bam in the city, you should you should go out to Brooklyn <laughs> and just go. Just that's pick a great and recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um. And just a side note, I mean, Brittany and I were talking about this earlier, but I did end up going to see the show that Brendan spoke about on episode four at BAM, Tabac Rouge. And it was absolutely, absolutely amazing. It finished this weekend, but I got to see it. So thank you, Brendan. Well, thank you so much for thank coming you. to talk to me. Is this I really the sixth one? It. This is the sixth one? Right? Yeah. How do you feel on the sixth one? Am I turning the tables? I'm turning the tables. I feel really good about it. Um, I think I'm learning a lot about like the technical aspects about how to do this thing. And it just makes me really happy to have this, the people I've gotten to talk to, like to get to have them in my house for an hour and get to talk about this stuff. And Mm -hmm. like you said, with the photography, like getting to do something on my own that I then can put out in the world. And I don't know if someone's listening to it at whatever time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can check my little account on the web mm-hmm. later and see how many times it's been downloaded or whatever, but it's something that people are experiencing mm. outside of the time we're actually saying these words. So, so it is might, interesting like, like that. You might be sleeping, but somebody might yeah. be listening. That's nice. And it's been really nice hearing from people that they've connected with it or that they, they need to talk about this stuff too. So it's been yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to do more. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Brittany. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 